You're listening to Helvetia Rocked Musicians in Conversation. My name's Natalia Anderson and I'm a presenter, content creator and DJ. I'll be talking with female, intersex, non-binary and trans musicians and DJs based in Switzerland. Helvetia Rocked is the Swiss association focusing on gender equality in the music industry. Through its grassroots projects such as producing, DJing, band workshops and songwriting camps, it offers platforms for young people of all levels to discover music and be a part of an empowering community. If you like what you hear, please share it with your friends. Hi everyone, welcome to episode 6 of Helvetia Rocked Musicians in Conversation. In this episode, I talk with Anna Aaron, who is a coach at the Female Music Lab Song Sketches Workshop. She's an award-winning singer and producer and has her own label called Bambient. In this episode, we discuss feeling like an outsider after returning to Switzerland as a child, using digital platforms when releasing your music, and making meaningful connections in the music industry. Anna also shares with us two of her tracks and she answers an audience question. Don't forget, if you have a question for one of our coaches, simply send a direct message to Helvetia Rocked on Instagram. In the meantime, though, here's my conversation with Anna Aaron. Hi, everyone. I'm Anna Aaron, and you're listening to Helvetia Rocked Musicians in Conversation. 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 Right, so today I'm joined with Anna Aaron. Thank you so much for joining me on Helvetia Rocked Musicians in Conversation. Thank you so much. Uh, so let me start by asking you the question that I ask everybody, and that is, how did you get started on your musical journey? Um, I, I started writing songs when I was maybe 17, 16 or 17 years old. And um, in the beginning, I would write, like, really bad songs. I mean, I, I could barely allow myself to call them songs. But um, I really wanted to sort of push through because it was something that I really wanted to do. I really wanted, wanted to see myself as a person who can write songs. Right. And it didn't go so well in the beginning. But then, um, yeah, someday it just kind of, like, the... The floodgates opened. <laughs> Can you remember your first songs? Yes. Did they yes, ever come to you? Yeah, I, I remember. I, I, I record, I think it was on my mother's laptop. I would record like demos. Um, yeah, I remember. They sound terrible. I won't uh, ask you to sing one now then. <laughs> I mean, to. the recording sounds terrible as well. <laughs> And I mean, the songs are, are very simple. Sometimes, um, sometimes they're not so bad, but uh, it's like always, you know, when you look back in the, the stuff that you wrote when you were really young and you just started out, mm-hmm. it always feels mm-hmm. kind of different. What was it that made you sort of persevere? You know, if, if, if by your own account, you know, the songs were quite bad, but what kept you going? Um, I just, I, I was just really driven, like from the beginning, I just really, really wanted to be able to do it. And I think that's something that 
really drove me to to keep going was um, that I really wanted to be able to communicate with with people because I had just come back from from abroad like my parents were traveling a lot and I came back to to Basel when I was nine years old and I felt like really isolated and excluded from like the um, the Swiss culture and I couldn't fit in and so I started observing the people and I always had like this kind of outsider position but I just observed and then I think that my intuition was telling me that music was going to be my way to you know enter the human community somehow I find that so interesting because I always the way that I view music is like a language you know and I mean I've just I've like last year I just had a baby and and some of it, it makes you it puts things in not into perspective but it makes you think about okay what is important and for me um him being bilingual is really important he, the fact that he's going to speak English and French but also for me it's trilingual because I'm really going to promote him to have a musical education because I feel like it's a it's it's another language you know and I found it quite interesting that you you saw it already uh, probably without any outside influence of any other person telling you but that's yeah. a way that you could use music to actually communicate with people and actually you know yeah and yeah definitely yeah the, the funny thing is also that you, it's a language I, I, I completely agree with you that it, it it's a language um and it's like this perfect um like this perfectly harmonic perfectly balanced world or or, or system or I don't know I, I can't really explain it but the funny thing is that you can employ it you, you can use it even if you don't really know how it works. Yeah. So you don't have to know a bunch of stuff about music theory to be able to write a song, mm. yeah. which is really interesting. Absolutely. And I think that's so great. I think especially for people who are thinking to um, do like a, the songwriting workshop with uh, Helvetia Rocks, you know, they might be coming from different levels uh different entry levels and it's I think it's a really great thing to know that you don't have to have like this full-blown education already uh you know I think it probably starts with just the desire to want to write music and then you can sort yeah. of take it from there isn't it yeah yeah I mean did you ever have any sort of formal education or did you were you self-taught like how did it start for you um Yes, I had musical education. Um, I mean, I, I, I took piano lessons. Mm. Um, it's kind of both. So a lot of it is self-taught, but I did have some regular education. <laughs> How did you find with your, with your uh, lessons? Was it like, uh, was it a chore or was it, did, did you enjoy it? Um, the first half was really, was classical training. Mm. And... I think I was quite I was quite disciplined at the beginning so I learned some stuff without really enjoying it. <laughs> I practiced anyway because I just yeah because I was disciplined uh which I'm not so much anymore but <laughs> <laughs> um and then the second half so then I I went to a different teacher um because I wanted to play some 
different kinds of music. And um, I think that really, that was the teacher who taught me about chords and chord progressions and how all this stuff works. So I think if it, if it wasn't for him, I don't know if I'd be writing songs today. So <laughs> that was really necessary for me also to be able to get into playing without um, uh, sheet music. I, I mean, like, you know, yeah. partitions and notes and stuff, but just to be able to read a chord progression and play it and improvise on it. That was like really, really important for me. Wow. Absolutely. And actually, I want to pick up on what you said about like uh, having a new teacher, a different teacher. I think that's super important because sometimes it really is a case of the person teaching you and not to be, not to sound negative, but I think it's very um, important to realise that it could be the teacher do you know what I mean? Some people, some people say, oh, it's me. Oh, I wasn't feeling it. Oh, I didn't like music. Oh, I'm not good at music. But actually, I think it could be the teacher. If you change teachers often and just yeah. find the one that clicks and gels, yeah. Um, yeah. I think that can make such a huge difference, isn't it? Yes, yeah, yeah, really. Because that, that was also the main reason why I um, decided to change teachers because um, well, the, the actual reason was that I wanted... I said I, w- I want to play rock music, <laughs> And my teacher said, I, I can't teach you this kind of music because it's bad. What? Um, yeah. Um, yeah, it's a really funny response, isn't it? Yeah. But there, <laughs> How old still were you people at the time? People actually believe that, um, you know, it's like spiritually bad to play uh, rock music or, or any see. kind of music which is not classical music. Yeah, yeah, I see. How old were you at the time? Do you remember? <laughs> so it really it marked me <laughs> oh my goodness no I, no I think I was maybe 13 years old wow goodness yeah. well I'm glad that you persevered <laughs> and you changed teacher and you went you went for it and you you know developed a career in music like how did how did that happen for you like what was the transition was there a period of like when it all sort of came together and you're like, oh my God, I'm going to have a career as a musician and as an artist. Um, well, I think I was just really, really lucky because I, um, I was offered a record contract when I was still quite young. Mm. And um, so that's how it all started that I just began recording albums and then going on tour and then recording the next album and going on the next tour. Amazing. Um, how did so, you get the, the, you know, how did you get a record contract? Was it like a fluke? You know, some people say, oh, you know, I put my stuff on MySpace and then someone heard me. Or was it like an active, uh, proactive uh, thing on your part? Um, is there anything that you can speak to or any experience that you could uh, give for people who might be in that process at the moment, wondering how they could do it? Although I, I suppose the industry changes so often, I don't know whether um, it's going to be the same, but uh, is there yeah. any advice you can give? There's always a lot of changes, yeah, definitely. But it, yeah, it's funny that you mentioned MySpace because that's exactly how it happened. <laughs> I put my, I, I don't think it exists anymore, but yeah, but that's how, that's really how it went down. I put my stuff on MySpace, someone heard me, um, 
but it was not someone from a label. It was a musician, and she introduced me to her um, record company, and then they signed me. So, wow, that's, that's amazing. That's a dream, honestly. Back in the UK, it was Lily Allen. She was the one who like made it big from MySpace. And then after yeah. that, I don't know if they were signing anyone else, but I didn't get a look in. <laughs> Helvetia Rocked raises awareness about gender inequality in the music industry and supports, promotes and connects professional female, non-binary, intersex and trans artists. Find out more on our website, helvetziarocked.ch. Sign up for the newsletter and follow us on social media. If you like what you hear today, please share it with your friends. But yeah, I suppose, I mean, what can people do now? I suppose it's quite different, isn't it, nowadays? Um, maybe having YouTube channels or just really kind of putting music out there. I mean, how did you decide what music to put out there even at the time? Um, I, I really didn't think about it at all. I really just, I just dropped the stuff online. Um, mm. I really didn't think about yeah. it. But that's, I think yeah. that's a good thing, you know, maybe not just not, overthinking the process yeah yeah don't overthink mm. it I think that's probably the thing that could that is potentially the same you know through all the years despite what changes in terms of platforms and stuff whatever platform there is going maybe just put, put whoever's listening just put your music out just put it yeah, out. yeah and and also um my recommendation would be try to play live and and also also for your own well-being, also mentally, um, try and make your music um, an offline business as much as you can. Like really invest into playing music offline, like showcasing it offline, connecting offline. Try to keep as much as you can away from platforms like like YouTube and Instagram. And mm. Why I would you say that? What is the reason? Um, because because it's it's I, I believe that it's um it's getting really difficult. Um, and for me, like these these spaces or these platforms, you know, it's it's not like it used to be. Like when I was younger, it was like a, a different space. Also, like the internet was a different space. It was much more open and um unlabeled and yeah. and now i feel like there's like weird shifts in, in in power that are beginning to take place and i, I feel like the space is, it's kind of feels like the walls are closing in and mm. um i i don't know I, I feel bad for for young people when i imagine that all of their artistic expression and, and all of their self-worth is going to be defined by by these platforms it just mm. you know maybe maybe no one can really prevent that but it just kind of gives me a, a an uneasy feeling yeah yeah when I think about it you know the music industry has always been an industry right it's always been a, a business and an opportunity for people to exploit and make money and at the center of that is always artists who are trying to create and express themselves and it's almost like no matter what the era there's always going to be that kind of 
you know, it starts off really well, but then that business side gets in it again yeah. and it sort of taints yeah. it, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So also I think, um, like you said, sadly that's something that um, we, we, can't, we can't just make this go away because, like you said, this will always be a part of the industry and of the business. But still I think there are certain things that you can do like mm. within the business and within the industry, um, which, um, for example, like to really make it about yourself, like for example, the, the relationships or the connections, you know, all, everyone is always talking about the connections mm. and it's really important for, especially for young artists to realize, um, if you're starting to go out there, you're playing live and people are starting to notice you and maybe they're booking you or, and sometimes when, when people get signed and they're quite young, there's like this, the management between the, mm. the booker and the artist and all the communication just, um, yeah, works like this. Yeah. And sometimes the artist, it, it can be dangerous because the artist sometimes maybe even falls back on this a little bit, like relies on the management or, or like the agencies to just yeah. do this for them. And, I just think it's so important to to remember, like, these are your connections. Like, for example, when you, you play a show at a club, like, go and say hello to the event manager, for example. It's so important, not just about, like, being nice and, you know, having, like, a good image, but just for you, like, out of business mm. reasons. Like, go and say hello, introduce yourself, make sure that they will remember you personally and not just remember your your manager, you know, or like your agent, because maybe someday you will no longer be working with your agent, but then like, you know, the people from the venue, they will remember you mm. and this is what will benefit you for your future. My goodness. <laughs> Such amazing advice. <laughs> this is what I came here for. <laughs> I hope people are really taking note because this is something that doesn't get talked about a lot. You've just dropped absolute knowledge and gems because you are so right. Like, I think it's, and especially uh, for young girls, young non-binary people, you know, trans artists, people who are underrepresented in the industry, it is time to really try to take control yeah. and be in control of your image and and of your your presence on the scene yeah. you yeah. know no one's going to be talking for you develop these relationships and 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 progress progress from there i think that's a really really great yeah um, advice there yeah i'm saying this because i didn't do it enough you know right. i wish i did it more when i was mm. younger and yeah, it's important to remember that that you're here because of your music. It's not because of your agency or your management. I mean, yeah. actually, it's the other way around. They are there because of you, because of the music that you wrote and and released, and yeah. because of the show that you play. Mm. Absolutely. I think that's a really, really strong advice for people to hold on to, because I think at the same time, you know, imagine you 
maybe in your own personal experience but even in general like you're a young person your music is discovered people are giving you opportunities it's quite I could imagine it being quite easy to go oh this 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 roller coaster this vehicle is moving and and it might be quite difficult to assert yourself in positions and in meetings or in things but I think if they hold this advice um just keep it in mind like hey like you can actually speak up you can meet shake people's hands and 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 include that as part of the job because it is a job as well you know being an artist being a musician you know you've got the side of it which is writing the songs performing but there's also the side of creating relationships yeah Check out the Helvetia Rocked Music Directory. It's a platform for women, non-binary, trans and intersex people in the Swiss music industry. For singers, instrumentalists, bookers, managers, sound engineers, photographers and many more of all levels. Whether it be a hobby or your profession or both. It's about visibility. It's about community. It's about empowerment. We invite all of you to participate in the project. For further information, go to www.musicdirectory.ch. Can I jump into your music? Right, you've got a song, Into the Heart of Immense Darkness. That's what we're going to listen to today uh can you talk about it for us like where where did that song come from uh i i wrote it after i had watched the movie apocalypse now Um, which one is that one remind me apocalypse now is that the war movie yeah is that the one in is it the vietnam war yeah it's the vietnam war and and there's like this song by the doors in the opening scene And you can see like the beach of Vietnam, but it's not really like the movie was actually shot in the Philippines. Um, And that was the reason why I was kind of drawn to the movie because um, I was processing my, my childhood, you know, in all of these foreign places. And one of the countries we used to live in was, was the Philippines. So, yeah. So that was like kind of the backstory why I was there, like watching the movie and Um, but the movie is based on the book Heart of Darkness by Joseph Conrad. And um, Into the Heart of an Immense Darkness is a quote from the book. And it just really uh, just resonated with me, like this, this weird phrase. So <laughs> I wrote a song about it. Um, well, actually, we, we almost um, gave up on the song because I had this demo version and... Um, I mean, like from the beginning, the, the song had a very unconventional structure. It wasn't really, it didn't have a real chorus. And it, it, had, it had like these different bits and pieces that you can really tell what role they play in the song. So it sounded quite different on the original demo. And uh, yeah, my brother and I, we really tried to make it work. We almost gave up. And, and now, so this is the result. So... Brilliant. Now I it love just that. is what it is. <laughs> it <so>. is. <laughs> well, it's fantastic. <laughs> well, let's listen to it. Into the heart of an immense darkness. Deep, deep forest, home of the ghost. Into the heart of an immense darkness. 
to really get down into the audience question because there's a few times we almost got to a point where I felt it would actually we we were almost talking about this audience question. Uh, Suzanne Williner is asking advice. Should you record your own song or get professional help? Yeah, so what's your opinion on that? Do you have any opinions? Well, yes, of course, I have <laughs> lots of opinions. <laughs> Love it. Um, well, I think um, the answer, of course, is yes, yes. You should always record your own song and, and you should always do as much of the produ- produ- production or pre-production on your own. Like You should always go as far as you can in the production process on your own um of course like the question is kind of maybe i i don't know if i understand it correctly because i'm not sure if she says should i release a self-recorded song or should i get professional help before like i i put it out there i feel like that might be part of the question i mean it was quite simple record your own song or get professional help and i think I mean, if let's let's go down that line. Let's go down that line. If she's if if this person's wondering about releasing the track, yeah, yeah. So I mean, um, if I can like speak to her directly, yes, <laughs> um, absolutely. You should always look at it from the perspective of it's always about like having a demo or not having a demo, and like having a demo is always better. Like having recorded music no matter what the quality is or no matter how no matter how um like developed your your skills are it's always better to have something that you recorded on your own because it's so much easier for like if you decide to get professional help like 
a producer or something. Um, it's almost it, it, it's so much easier for the people who work with you to understand what you really want and to like just to feel your own creative potential and your energy to to get a feeling for the direction you want to take. Yeah, and, absolutely. I mean, demos are so great. You know, they're so authentic and raw and original, and they're like full of this really special, intimate energy. And even if maybe like sadly, of course, sometimes you can't release them because maybe the audio quality is bad or yeah, but, but I always like, I prefer listening to demos made by people on their own than like full blown studio productions, which is so much more interesting and yeah, powerful also. Absolutely. And I think there's something about demos that, um, like you say, it's almost, it's that, that rawness, that sort of truth from the artist, uh, and some of it can get it get it can get lost once a yeah. producer can get involved. And I'm wondering what you how you feel about like the role of a producer for someone. Is it important to have a producer or to have maybe just a studio engineer for somebody who who has a demo probably who knows where what sound they're going for? I mean, what? How would you see, in this yeah. sense, the role of the producer? Definitely, definitely. I mean, if you're if you're if you have some experience, and um, if your pre-production is on a certain level, you can totally you don't need a producer because if you can do like really good pre-productions, you actually already are. You kind of are a producer. Mm. So I think working just with a sound engineer is a really is a really good idea. Yeah, and also I think that. So, but, but if you decide to work with a producer, I think the, the producer should be sensitive enough and also, like, that's really important, like, interested enough in you and in your music to be able to, um, to, to incorporate the demo into the final production. That's, like, that, that's, what, um, that's what David Costin did with me, for example, and also Marcello Giuliani, who recorded my first album, it's something they both did. Like they took, they took tracks, like they took whole vocal takes from my demos that I had like recorded with the um, laptop microphone Yeah. because they said like, this is just so magical and we don't want you to try and recreate this with a professional setup because it just wouldn't be the same. So we're going to, we're going to value this magic over, you know, um, production perfection or yeah. yeah. I don't know what you want to call it. Yeah, yeah, but uh, that that is that I think that really speaks to uh, the the kind of producer that that you get to work with in the end, like who, like you say, really understands and really wants to be involved with the music. I know that there's a lot. I don't, well, I don't know what it's like in Switzerland. I'm I have my own experiences in the UK where you get uh people who say, "All oh, right, we're producers," and then you pay them a lot of money and then they just they don't care. They just for them it's again a business and they just like get people in and it's like a conveyor belt, but there's no yeah. feeling there. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you have to be lucky to 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 meet the right person and yeah yeah absolutely the right studio yeah but I think for to to sort of summarize I think maybe to begin with if you can 
like you say, do it yourself. Like um, if you've got your own laptop, GarageBand is, is really good. If you've got a Mac and, uh, uh, you know, even even if um, if people who are listening can go to Helvetia Rocked um, songwriting workshop um, or, or anything similar and actually learn to use uh, the computer and just lay down your own stuff or even the phone. Even your phone, yeah. you know, that that could that could also work. Yeah, you know? yeah. I would definitely like yeah, record it on my own and just but keep in mind that maybe you're going to use it in the studio as well. So like pay attention to certain details. Like for example, always always know what the BPM of your demo is. Like always write down the tempo, the BPM, and always try to make sure that you have the stuff that you recorded like separately. Like for example, never mix a a kick drum together with like a snare drum or or if you have like backing vocals like try to to always have them separately that like if the producer asks you can you can you send me this or can I just quickly put it into the session that that you just have the stuff ready absolutely brilliant brilliant advice yes separate tracks don't let it bleed as well don't let it bleed bleed. (laughs) and what do we mean by bleeding for anybody who needs to uh who doesn't know it's when say you've got your earphones right and you you can you can hear the sound from your earphone and it's going into the mic that you're recording and so it comes up on that track it that ruins a, the track. It ruins the track. Please <laughs> do not make that mistake. So many of us have been there before. <laughs> we do not want you to make those mistakes again. So yeah, brilliant advice. Thank you so much. Right, let's move on. Let us quickly talk about your influences. This is the time when we can get to know a bit about you, just another angle of who you are, just through the music that you've listened to over your life. Um, uh, could you let me know one song that, you, uh, that you've chosen, one of the songs that you've chosen as your influence? I, I chose um, Miles Davis, um, One and One. It was going to be like the whole album on the corner, but I had to choose one track. So it's this one. And why did you choose it? What is that one about? Because, um, well, I was, I was asked to write down my, my influences or like songs that define me. And there was, it was like a really hard question. So I, I decided to take some of the reference tracks that we used when we were working in the studio. Um, because my brother and I, we, we do this a lot. We, we try to like we compare our songs to to songs that that we know or that we like and then we um every song is like stands for a certain vision or like something that we imagine a certain part of the music to be and and so the example of the Miles Davis song was um um it was about the percussion and kind of I'm kind, it kind of makes me laugh because um like the the stuff going on there is just so so crazy and it's 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 kind of, it's almost kind of ridiculous like the the cowbell and like every yeah i mean you could really talk about this track for hours but the funny thing is that if you listen to it there is also something like something static about it like the percussion like dances around like crazily and wildly and it has like this really intense um 
almost like aggressive energy and Miles is like really in the back and the bass is in your face. Mm -hmm. So also the mix, like so weird mm -hmm. of this song. It's so strange. Yeah. And I, I just, we found it so fascinating how this song could be like so like, like moving around and yet like standing still at the same time. So it felt like this kind of, like this heavy object in the room, like composed of little details that move, move around crazily. To find out the rest of Anna Aaron's influences, head to helvetziarocked.ch where you'll find a Spotify playlist of the songs she loves. Well, um, we're going to be wrapping up. Before we wrap up, where can people find you online? Where can people find your music? Where can we send them? Um, Anna Aaron Music is my Facebook and Instagram. And the website is AnnaAaron.com. Perfect. Everybody check out Anna Aaron Music, AnnaAaron.com. We're going to have links there. So it'll make it nice and easy for you. Before we go, I just want to thank you, Anna, for your interesting conversation. Thank you for your knowledge, all your experience that is here to help us and to help uh, so many young people starting their musical journeys. Uh, so thank you for that. Thank you for coming and talking to me. Thank you so much for having me. Before I let you go, though, I would love for you to introduce your second song. What is the second song that we'll hear? The song is called drive and um it was it's actually one of those songs that we talked about in the beginning um it's one of the very very first songs that i wrote and i think it was the it's it was the first one that wasn't bad <laughs> it was my my first good song and so it's funny because it's like it's it's 15 years old i think and we finally released it now in summer and uh, i'm really happy that it's out so surprised Like somehow Likewise You haven't spent your life Like But we were moving on Even as we sung We seem to get
you want to join the Helvetia Rocked community or find out more, check out the website helvetiarocked.ch. Sign up for the newsletter and follow us on social media. Helvetia Rocked Musicians in Conversation is a concept by Natalia Anderson in collaboration with Helvetia Rocked. It's presented and produced by Natalia Anderson and music is by Julie Lee. Thank you.